0: She's always been the type of person that just says things and she just speaks her mind. I guess that has a little bit to do with not having a formal education.
1: everybody, welcome to episode 50, 5-0 of The Body Serve. I'm Jonathan. And I'm James. And we have just finished our Rogers Cup week. We had said that episode 50 was going to be our TV episode, but life just kind of happened.
0: <laughs> uh, what is this, like our silver anniversary? What is 50? It's silver, isn't it? I think. It's gold. gold is what, 75?
1: I, I don't know. Who can live that long to celebrate I don't know. Well, this is our silver jubilee. (laughs) You were busy with school, figuring out internships, doing finals. Like you were Mm. doing finals in the midst of going to tennis this week. Listen,
0: literally. So we had my mom and my aunt here visiting for two days and coming to tennis. Um, I had five finals this week. And I've been interviewing at several places for internships all at the same time. And somehow I, I managed to make time for tennis.
1: But that's why we haven't been able to come with another episode sooner. Right. So forgive us. Please. I'm done with school now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's exciting. Congrats. Thank you.
0: Now, you, had, you were teasing a big announcement. And I think to a lot of people's disappointment, it's not that we're having a child. Well, one person. One person. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so, to the world's disappointment. Uh, to I had the world's such a, detriment. I had such a good laugh when, <laughs> when I
1: got that tweet. I was like, thank you, but no. So what's your big announcement? I feel like saying it's a big announcement is a, a bit douchey. But it's still exciting for me and for us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We The podcast has been credentialed for Cincinnati.
0: Yep. Well, you have been credentialed. Yes. For the
1: podcast on the uh, on the strength of the podcast, I guess <laughs> <laughs> on, the, on the strength of connections, maybe I don't know. Um, but hey, I'll you be, use what you got. I know, right? I've, I'll be going for all nine days. Um, I think I'll get there Saturday night before the tournament. Uh, be there on site all day from the last day of qualifying right through till Championship Sunday,
0: and that's actually a first. For you and for us. Yeah. Because I've... we can never afford the finals, no. basically.
1: <laughs> I think this is the first time we'd ever been to a Thursday. Oh, I know. A... <laughs> Such luxury. We got to see uh round of 16. Right. The other big announcement, there's two apparently because this turned up this week, we will be making our very first guest appearance on another show. Yeah. So tomorrow
0: we're going to be calling into the main draw with Caitlin and Chris and
1: that should be exciting. We're we're called upon as boots on the ground, so-called Canadian <laughs> experts. To, because, you know, tennis is in Canada this week. That's a lot of pressure because I am not a Canadian.
0: And if I were, I'd be a bad Canadian.
1: Because we don't really care for the Canadians. <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. <laughs> so look out for that. You'll have a double dosage, double serving of the body surf Mm -hmm. this week, or whenever it is that you listen to these things. Before we get into the tennis and the Rogers Cup, a few things happened in the last couple weeks that we haven't been able to talk about. The first being...
0: Uh, Yeah, like one really big thing.
1: Well, two really big things. Okay. But the The first one, sequentially... (laughs) Miss Victoria Azarenka is with child. Uh,
0: Yeah, that's what I was referring to.
1: Like, is that child going to come dabbing right out of the womb? (laughs) Oh my lord. This is crazy. Yeah. Like,
0: I saw her name trending. People were talking about her. I'm like, what is going on with her? And then I look up her announcement. Oh, you know, um, I just want to let you know I'm having a baby. What? (laughs) What? Like, that is the lot. La- this has been an insane, absolutely insane yeah, year on in tennis. really, really. And it really shouldn't surprise
1: me, but I did not expect that. But you know what? It It brings to light something I've often thought about. You know, we hear about all these men being celebrated for their sperm finding an egg. And in Roger's case, <laughs> producing two children twice. Right. <laughs> you know, and it's such a wonderful thing. But they don't have to take any time off from the tour. Vika wants to have this baby, whatever the circumstances under which she conceived this child, whether it was celebrating beating Serena, if you do the math. Immaculately, is that what you're (laughs) implying? I mean, there's really only one circumstance. Well, so she's having this baby. And so that means she has to take time off from the tour in her prime. In this day and age, 27, 28, that's your prime in tennis. (sighs) And men don't don't have to consider that at all
0: no they don't i mean they might take like a week off mm-hmm. you know or they might have to sacrifice a tournament like is he to going go to be there for the is summer. he going
1: to leave the australian open if his wife goes into labor i was like well i sure as hell hope so right cuz
0: she may not be his wife for much longer
1: <laughs> and i know there's a temptation to be like girl you're in the prime of your career you had such a great spring like what are you doing like where mm. is this family planning you know like but <laughs> If this is what she wants to do, this is what she wants to do. Yeah. Far beat from anybody to second guess or tell her what she should be doing with her body. That is kind of the
0: moral of the story, I guess. You know, it was surprising. And at first I probably questioned her judgment. But she's a grown woman and she's decided that this
1: is what she wants to do. Yeah, she says she's going to come back and try, like others... To come back to the top of the game as a mother.
0: Right. And I mean, she was playing on the tour when Kim Clijsters came back and had a better second career mm-hmm. than her first career. I Mar- mean, in terms of Grand Slam. Dare money. we
1: say her name on the podcast? Margaret Court did it.
0: Oh. Uh, Ivan Gulagang. Ivan Gulagong did it. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, in the recent past, yeah. Kim Clijsters was, was an amazing athlete before and, she, and after If she pregnancy.
1: decides that she's just in love with motherhood... And wants to have, like, five more babies and give up tennis. That's her business, too. Right. So, congrats, Vika. On a less celebratory note, Miss Roger Federer announced this week that he's out for the rest of the year.
0: That's crazy. That really sucks. And, I mean, we were not surprised. Well, we should also talk about this rash of withdrawals as we were getting ready to, you know, get hyped for the Rogers (laughs) Cup in Toronto. (laughs) (laughs) Every day it's like, oh yeah, Rafa's not coming. Well, okay, I expected that. Um, Now Annie's not coming. Well, fine, he just won Wimbledon. Now Roger's not coming. And then your mother's thirst trap isn't coming. Oh my god. Feliciano We can't even get Feliciano or Fernando. (laughs) Or Songa. I was like, okay, all these top guys are gone. My favorite Songa will be there. Nope, he won't be there either. So it was a little disappointing. But the Federer news was
1: shocking. I was sitting in the 300 level way up high, just taking a little breather. Cause I didn't I don't really check Twitter much while I'm on site going from court to court practices to matches. There's just no time to be scrolling through my timeline. Yeah. And so I was watching I was watching Mofis actually and I was just sitting there and my my timeline just had Federer everywhere and at first you're like, what's going on? Mm. And then you read it and then it settles in. It sets in, and you're like, wow, this is crazy. And at the same time, people were speculating that maybe Rafa wouldn't even go to Rio to play singles. That he'd just go to play doubles. Mm -hmm. Which, since we've come to learn, Uncle Tony says that they're happy enough with his progress that he will play singles.
0: Yeah, his practicing with Andy has been very successful,
1: apparently. But let me tell you, if Rafa goes to Rio and gets injured even more... And has to miss more time because of these friggin' Olympics. Mm. I mean... <laughs> over the last couple of weeks, there's also been a plethora of singles champions. Singles winners on both tours. Because there have been tournaments every which part of the globe. What are some of the more notable ones?
0: Oh, well... Miss uh, Jo Conta won her first career title in Stanford. Um, beating, mi- beating Venus Williams, sadly. Right. Unfortunately, Venus had a great run to that final, though. And Gael Monfils uh, started to turn around his really dismal record in finals. Which was 5-19. <laughs> and, five and 19. Yeah, so now he's a wonderful 6-19, <laughs> winning Washington and beating the old man Ivo Karlovic in the right? final. Who, it seemed, up until uh, Wednesday in Toronto, could not stop
1: winning. Who else? Ivo For- won... What did he win? He won Newport, and then made the final the following week in Washington. Mm-hmm. Janina Wickmeyer won the double in Washington.
0: I she won the singles
1: and the doubles, and then went to Toronto and went to Montreal and lost first round to mm. Kuchevo.
0: Well, and uh, Gilles Muller was in the final against Karlovic in Newport, if I'm not mm-hmm. wrong, and then he put up quite a fight against Novak and in Toronto. So we were there. For the first set, and you and I left, and my mom and aunt were like, "No, we want to stay." Like he Novak's the number one player, you know. There's yeah. not a lot they'll, of star power here this year, so <laughs> they'll get their money's
1: worth just from seeing Novak, right. right?
0: And so I think he's gonna fly through the the second set after winning like a tough first set, and no, it went to a tiebreak.
1: You know, he gave him quite a match. Your poor mother and aunt. Like this is the second time that they've come for the Rogers Cup. Mm-hmm. And they get to see Novak both times. <laughs> which, which, I mean, neither is a really big fan of Novak. Like, your Aunt Mary is a big Federer fan. At least she got yes. to see him last time. So we time. got to
0: see him last time.
1: But your mother still hasn't seen Rafa.
0: I know. But really, like, when do we see Rafa? We saw he's, him in Montreal He's pulled last out of year. Toronto probably three times. Yeah. The years that we've gone. You know, I just, I have no hope that he'll ever come to Canada again. And so if he That's does, very no, really, apoplectic. every time I buy tickets, he doesn't come. So what are you going to do? You know, <laughs> so I would love to be proven wrong, but I'm not going to get my hopes up. Fabio
1: Fanini, the shaved one. <laughs> we saw that hideous new do he has in Toronto this week, which apparently after he won in Umag, he decided to shave his head.
0: As one does when you win UMOG, apparently.
1: Or win anything if you're Fabio Fonini.
0: Yeah, like two or three matches in a row. <laughs> but it looks so crazy because now he's wearing a hat and he usually wears his, you know, headband thing.
1: Mm-hmm. You have to see James right now because he's wearing this monstrosity, this hideous what bandana thing that he picked up from the Rogers Cup. One of those free promotional things. No, one of those like wrap things yeah, that you can like put a- on your head. A lime green, lime green, yellow with blue writing with some company that I will not. Let's just say it's the title company of the tournament of the stadium. What are they? Why are we saying their name? What do they even do? I don't know. Does anyone know what what Aviva does? something?
0: Anyway, I just wanted to like get in the mood and really like the main reason that I go to tennis tournaments is for free stuff. And there was nothing for It was
1: really bad. Really bad. Like, I go for free stuff first and tennis second. (laughs) We complain about the food on site all the time. And the food was a little bit better. And one of the only improvements they made Mm. was to have these corn in the cob stands. But, like, guess what? I was going home to grill my own damn corn that (laughs) night. So
0: (laughs) Well, they had some, like, local food trucks and stuff, which is... I didn't go there, but it was cool to see some variety. But... Normally they have, like, Lavazza um, Coffee. The giveaways, you know, and all these contests and stuff. I was very disappointed by the free swag.
1: And then... You did enter us into a, a, a raffle to go to Barbados. Yes.
0: And then there was this avocado stand. I'm like, are those avocados free? No. First of all, they're not free. And then you have to wait in line for, like, some garbage. Some avocado shake. This tiny little sample... And, like, they put, like, spinach and pineapple juice and all this shit. Like, just do it how the Vietnamese do it or don't do it at all. (laughs) And there was a very discourteous young woman working at the stand.
1: I mean, she was the epitome of drinking the company Kool-Aid. Because (laughs) you're standing there in 90 degree heat, giving out free samples, and you're policing whether somebody's gotten a second one before. Oh, my God. Like, she even said to this one woman, it was an Asian woman, so let me tell you, I smell we-all-don't-look-alike-racism here. (laughs) No, that's what what happened. She's about to hand the the tiny piece of toast with an avocado spread on it to this woman, and she goes, didn't you already get one? And I'm just standing there, I'm like... Rude. That is so rude.
0: It was crazy. And so the girl's like, no, I haven't had one yet. And then... The girl says, are you sure? (laughs) Listen, if you ask me, are you sure? I'm coming over that table.
1: Like, Like, just don't. Like, we work in service. We have seen when shit goes wrong. For even, in even situations where it's not even warranted. And that was warranted. Like, she is so lucky she didn't get her ass dragged over (laughs) that counter. That avocado counter. And spread all over the damn floor. (laughs) (laughs) So, back to the issue at hand. Uh, what were we talking about? We're just oh, previous that... winners. I think yeah. we covered most of them. There are others, but like, whatever. You can do your own research, or you can just, you know, check out This Week in Tennis. They're listed there. Mm-hmm. The past two editions. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be doing a new segment this week. It's called Fast Quiz. It could change name, because <laughs> that's a pretty dumb <laughs> it name. It could get a better name. Right. So it's just pretty, like, utilitarian. But the whole <laughs> the whole premise of it is that I'm going to quiz you on a whole bunch of tennis stuff to see if you've been paying attention, A, to see if you've been reading my This Week in Tennis mm-hmm. editions, and also that you're keeping up to speed with what's going on in tennis. Um, so we will see if you pass this test, sir. I feel like I've been like a little busy... So if
0: I don't do well on the quiz, I can be forgiven this one time. But you like, you like quizzes. You, you take I pride do, in being I smart like and quizzes, having a wealth of knowledge. But I've been studying for, like, human resource quizzes, you know, <laughs> tests.
1: <laughs> so I could tell you a lot about labor relations. We're going to do that. We're going to also have a See What Happened Was. We're going to talk about the Serena documentary, which I've watched four times at this point. <laughs> Really? I have. Uh, We're going to do a dramatic reading or second dramatic reading on the podcast Mm -hmm. with some of the quotes from Miss Serena Williams from that documentary. And we're going to be doing our next segment, which is just going through the actual tennis that we saw over the last week. Okay. So
0: why don't you start? Because you started going to the Rogers Cup Last Saturday, which mm-hmm. was the free entry day, there was qualifying and practicing. So,
1: you know, yeah. what were some of the highlights? I went that Saturday, didn't go Sunday, and then I went Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Highlights? It was one of the first times that I've actually been excited about Canadian tennis. Seeing Denis Shapovalov and Felix Auger as OJ Aliasim. Okay, there we go. I actually tried to practice that and I failed every time.
0: <laughs> I feel like you have the check down. Like yes, you could just I, go to Prague at this mm-hmm. point. The French I you need struggle to work with the down. French. And I I
1: am no expert, certainly not. But you took French. I, I, took, I didn't. I took 2 years of French in high school and I got the worst grade I've ever gotten in my life on that French <laughs> test. I remember when Monsieur Enson mm-hmm. called my name, Mr. Hanson. <clears throat> Monsieur Enson. <laughs> he called my name to pick up my quiz and I walked to the front of the class and I looked at the grade and there was just red flying everywhere. Mm. (laughs) X's everywhere. And right at the top was a big 14%. And Uh, all I could do was laugh on my way back to my seat. 14. (laughs) French is just not my bag, you know? Okay. So yeah, I saw a lot of practices with Dennis and, you know, he went on to beat Curios in round one. And the writing was a little bit on the wall because all week Shapovalov had been talking about how confident he was. Mm. And he looked really good on the practice courts. That Saturday, I saw him on center court hitting with Burdick. And there were quite a few times when Burdick was just turning his head and like laughing <laughs> at how good this kid is mm-hmm. and being so surprised by some of the shots that he was hitting. So it was it was cool to see this young 17-year-old actually exhibit this confidence that he was talking about and feel it building over the next couple days. Mm -hmm. And then you hear that Nick has only just arrived in Toronto the night before his match. And he's on court practicing for like half an hour, shooting the shit. Read whatever you want into that. It didn't seem like he was taking it too seriously. And so it seemed that playing at night in front of his home crowd and... From what I had seen of his game so far, it it felt like something could happen big for Dennis that night. And Mm. it did. He beat him in straight sets. Nope, that's a lie. He beat him in three sets. Which is almost more impressive. Yeah. Because he lost the second set and Mm -hmm. came back and won the third. And then the next day, he's out hitting with his doubles partner for the tournament, Felix. Right. And there was quite a big uh, following for that practice. And these kids are so young. Felix isn't even 16 yet. Dennis just turned 17. They named the grandstand in honor of the Junior Davis Cup team. And you have this picture of the three kids, Dennis, Felix, and I forget what the other one is, what his name is. Wow. Poor kid. He's like Kevin Jonas. He doesn't have a ranking. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) They're still super young. They are. Yeah. And so this is a narrative that we're being fed at this tournament, right? That Kenneth... Canada's young men's tennis crop is something to keep an eye on. Meanwhile, you have Milos being shoved down your throat at every turn. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, was Dennis given a, a wild card or did he qualify into this tournament? No, he was given a wild card. Okay, and
1: I don't know if we mentioned Felix, that he's the junior Wimbledon, Wimbledon champion here. Yeah. yeah, Felix wasn't given a wild card, and there was a I saw a bit of talk about that on Twitter, mm-hmm. and. He ended up being in qualifying. I think he got a wild card into qualifying and he lost his first match.
0: Okay. Yeah, I mean, Felix is 15 years He's old. He's got some like, time. Sometimes giving a wild card into a big time professional tournament is
1: detrimental to these mm-hmm. players, you know, at that age. Some of the other things that we saw or I saw saw a lot of Gulbis, saw a lot of Gulbis with his new coach, Larry Stefanke. Mm-hmm. And Gulbis seems to be working on his forehand primarily. Stefanky even said as much when somebody from the crowd at the practice courts asked him as much. And Stefanky responded to him by name. So he knew who he was and he did seem to have credentials around his neck. Mm. But I, for the life of me, I have no idea who he was. Just looked like some old white dude. Okay. <laughs> and the gist of it was Stefanky said, yeah, you know, we're working on the forehand every day and every day it's, it's getting better but that certainly was not reflected in his <laughs> first round scoreline against Rajiv Ram and Ram won 6462 pretty routine okay but i mean when you're reworking such a big facet of your game it's going to take a while for it to really yeah. gel and and manifest itself in match play mm. and then the other news of of coaching changes mr grigor dimitrov is now working with danny valverde
0: Right. He is. Yeah, Valverdu has been kind of uh, like going through musical chairs <laughs> yeah. know, over the past few years after uh, he parted ways with Andy Murray. And then,
1: and got, then parted the ways with... With, got the boot from Burdick after losing Six Love, Six Love to Goffin. Yeah, I mean, you have to find someone to blame. Right. And lo and behold, Dimitrov made it all the way to the quarterfinals. He also won a match with Stan in doubles. And every time I saw him this week, he looked really into what he was doing. The focus was there. The concentration was there. When we saw him play Karlovic Mm -hmm. and beat him, he was really into that match.
0: He was. And Karlovic has been playing very well over the past few weeks. And, you know, seeing Dimitrov be able to return that serve and even start to read it, Mm -hmm. you know. and, And I'm sure a lot of it is guessing correctly where it's going but he looked really impressive and he was sort of using the many gifts that he has you know (laughs) yeah i think the well some i said saw someone on twitter talking about using a smaller frame has helped his game a lot like has brought a lot more accuracy into Mm -hmm. his shots but it's also like he just seems more able to think through tough spots You know, that was something that was totally just went out the window. You know, mentally, he was
1: just fried for a while. Folks pointed to that final where he had match points against Diego Schwartzman earlier in the spring as a big turning point for him. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, his ranking had been depressed, but he really didn't have that bad of a year up until that point. That Mm -hmm. was the second final he'd made for the year. It's like no shame in that. But since then, he's really been on a downward spiral. You won a couple of matches at Wimbledon, but it's been damn near nothing yeah. since that match against Schwartzmann. And, and
0: somebody with his game and his talent, it just, he should not be there.
1: He's the type of player that when you watch him in practice, we've said this before on the podcast, he should never not be in the top 10. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. And somehow he just has to find a way to put it all together. Because there are many moving parts to being able to win tennis matches at a high level on a consistent basis. Oh, yeah. And somehow those parts just look so glorious in practice, but he's in able, he isn't able to put it all together in mm. match play. Like, there's just no way you should be losing to, was it Daniel Evans last week? Yeah,
0: I mean, but some players never put it together. You know, think of the gifts that Richard Gasquet has, and he's had a great year,
1: you know, the past, no, but he's been consistently top 20 throughout the, the entirety of his career. Right. right.
0: But, you know, he was so hyped as, like, baby-fed. He was the original baby-fed, mm-hmm. right? And I feel like some players who have so many shots to call upon sometimes just never put it together in as yeah. a whole. Mm-hmm. You know, Roger Federer is so successful because he's even greater than the sum of his parts. Wow.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: what, me complimenting Ron? No, just uh, like, that
1: was pretty profound.
0: Oh, all right. Mm. We've seen a lot of Gail Monfils. A lot. Yeah. Wednesday and Thursday we saw him play. Um,
1: remind me, who did he play on Wednesday? So I, I saw his first, I've actually seen him three times in singles. I saw him play Sousa in the first round on center court. And then we saw him play Vashik on yes. the grandstand. Mm-hmm. And poor Vashek. Oh, my God. I was so excited
0: to see both of them. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, because Vasek is like my favorite Canadian. Rosie, which isn't saying much, but Rosie I do like him a lot. Yeah. And, you know, the first set was really competitive. And it looked for a while that Vasek was going to pull out that first set. He really outplayed Gail.
1: I wouldn't say outplayed. Vashek was more aggressive and Gail was content to play possum. Mm -hmm. get back everything from the baseline, not take too many risks. And so when Vashik had opportunities to really put the set away and he didn't really take them, you know, the net effect felt like he was just squandering it. Mm -hmm. But Gael was playing really well.
0: Yeah, he was playing well, but passively. Mm -hmm. And so during the set, I'm kind of questioning his game plan, right? And the thing with Pospisil is he has some flash in him yeah you know and he has a big serve he comes up with some big shots and then these errors come out of nowhere and you sort of realize okay this is why he's
1: not top 30 you know you don't see the really top players missing ground strokes five feet behind the baseline right very often and we saw that quite a bit from him and
0: there are some tactical things you're like oh god i wonder why he did that
1: you know and then at the end of that first set the rain came
0: Okay, the rain um, came in the brief. final point, on yes. set point, and they looked at each other, and they both seemed to agree, okay, just play this point. Yeah. And Vashak lost the point, and he was really pissed off.
1: And in that second set, when they came back, it was brief enough where they didn't even need a warm-up. Right. And I was really surprised at how quickly they were able to start play again. <laughs> you know, that's...
0: Considering the primitive method right? of
1: drying the courts. You literally see the ball <laughs> girls and ball boys running the length of the grounds with a whole bag of towels. <laughs> and they just um, get to wiping. Yeah, that was like
0: child labor. <laughs> that was insane. There really has to be a better way to do that.
1: <laughs> Vashik even hit a ball so far out the grandstand that I wondered if it even went as far as the practice courts.
0: <laughs> That's how mad he was. Well, yeah, and he was... Coded for that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So but a bagel he
1: totally in, um, imploded yeah,
0: in the second set.
1: Bagel in the second set, and in his press afterward, I saw quotes where he was saying that you know he really felt a the the pressure or the need and the want to do well in front of his home crowd, mm-hmm. and he also felt that he was close to really having a uh, an important win after having such a bad year. Right, because we also heard them introduce him on grandstand. Like, oh, and here's Vasek Pospisil. He made the fourth round of some, like, ATP 250 tournament. Mm. And then he made the first round of the French Open and the first round of Wimbledon. Oh my god. It's like, kid, just stop. That was so rude. Like, how would you even stand there and not be like, like, dude, can you stop? I'm right.
0: He's like, he was a quarterfinalist at last year's Wimbledon. And then,
1: dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> then, oh, and yeah, he is a Grand Slam doubles champion. Right. Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention that. You know, yeah, it was just rude. It was poorly constructed.
0: Now, Vashek's doubles partner Jack Sock actually had a kind of a similar match against Emmerich. No, well,
1: we're still talking about Morfees, oh, right? Oh, okay.
0: Well, I just wanted to point out the similarities that Jack had a very competitive first set against Stan and it went to a tiebreak, right? Uh huh. Yes. And then the second set was kind of like the same story. It wasn't a bagel, and he put up a fight toward the very, very end. Mm-hmm. But it was really like.
1: A similar situation. I find Jack's game physically impressive to watch. Mm-hmm. Like the whip on his forehand, how he's able to move his body to hit his shots. I, don't know, I, I find mm. it fascinating and exciting. Okay, But he clearly is not able to put <laughs> what he needs to put together on a consistent basis to beat these top guys. Mm. Because Stan was there with him every step of the way, and then he just went away in the second set. Anyway, back to Mofi's. The best match that we saw all week was Mofi and Goffin on the same grandstand court. We saw the entire third set. We weren't able to watch the first part of that match because we had chosen to watch Sock, Vavrenka, and center court. Which is probably right. a mistake in hindsight. <laughs> <laughs> but that was, that was some fun stuff. And the two things that I came away from that match thinking... Goffin's backhand is the truth. Oh my god! Yeah, I it was crazy. Like even his forehand, like he, you think of him as this wispy little guy who doesn't have much, maybe aggression or so a whole lot of power in his game. But from the ground, he can really hang with anybody.
0: Yeah, and for how slight he is, he can really generate a lot of pace. Mm-hmm. You know,
1: they had these new. I guess it's maybe the second year they've had it, these, this, um, covered area directly behind the practice courts that you, that's free for the public to go up and watch from up above the players practicing on the four practice courts because there are four main practice courts side by side at the Toronto event. And so I went up top and I was able to watch Goffa on that practice court, him on the far end practicing backhands. And so I was looking down the barrel of his back end mm. as he just repeated it over and over and over and over. And it was so easy, so fluid, so powerful, just really beautiful to watch. And then to see him translate that into the match against Mofis, mm. that, that was a, a highlight for me, definitely.
0: Yeah, I'm. it definitely said something that Mofis was trying to shorten the points by hitting a lot of drop shots. <laughs> because... You look at them side by side and you think, well, Gael can probably blast this guy off the court. And that's certainly not the case. No. And and as the points got longer, it became more likely that Goffin would win the point. We saw
1: a lot of double-digit rallies. Yeah. In that match specifically. Mm -hmm. And Goffin was able to create just enough of an angle, especially off the backhand side, to pull Gael out wide to then be able to finish the point at net. And that was the other thing about his game that I really enjoyed was how accomplished and efficient he is at the net. Mm-hmm. We saw some beautiful drop volleys from Goffin. Oh, my
0: God. So, Gail would hit a drop shot and then try to pass Goffin when he was at the net and it just wasn't working. Yeah. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, why is he not lobbing? And he was so exhausted. Like, he could... I don't even know how he got through that match and won. Yeah. It was just so like tactically His passing I was game very game was confused. really bad. Yeah. <laughs> really <laughs> right. bad. But the drop shot is not working over and over. Why don't you try to lob him once he's at the mm-hmm. net? He's not that tall. I I don't know.
1: We came away from that match looking at Murphy Murphy says like wow you've had a great two weeks. It's probably the end of the road. We went and had a beer in one of the lounges afterward, right by where the Rogers Sportsnet people set up their permanent studio for the week. Mm. And we're just sitting there. And then lo and behold, Gail walks by <laughs> and he looks like he's struggling to walk even. And he has to carefully make his way up the steps. Right. And he goes and he gives his interview for like 20, we about 20 minutes, right? He was been there for about 15, 20 minutes. And pleasant as ever with the hosts shaking everybody's hand, mm-hmm. making small talk. Even when he had gotten up to leave, he made a point of turning back around to bid adieu to everybody. You know, it was that kind of insight that you don't really get to see unless you're in sight. Which is why, y'all, if you ever get a chance to go to a tennis tournament, even for one day, go do it. You know,
0: even the free day.
1: Yeah. You know, and the the best parts are not the matches for the most part. There's so much to see and pick up just from even watching practices. Yeah. And so Mofis went on to beat. Romnich tonight, and so he's in the semifinals. As of this recording, the four semifinalists are set in Toronto. Mofis will play Djokovic, and Vavrinka will play Kane Ishikori.
0: Yeah, which is actually a pretty good final four.
1: Yeah, for how depleted the field was. Yeah. like They really couldn't have asked for much better.
0: Anybody else you want to talk about? Well, we should maybe talk about our uh, Angel of Death status. Because we left the Djokovic match, which ended up being a very good second set, to see Sam Quarry retire within about 30 seconds of us getting there.
1: We killed our baby thirst trap team. Oh my
0: god. And then we go over to the next court, the very next court, and in about five minutes, Dominic team retired too. It was crazy. I
1: mean, I, I felt personally attacked. We left, yeah. We left your your mom and your aunt watching Djokovic, right? Mm-hmm. That's what happened. And so we're walking down, and I say to you, "Well, go fast playing right next door. We can just stand up by the rope on the sideline and just watch a couple of games because we couldn't get into the grandstand right away. They were playing, right? We'd have to mm-hmm. wait for the next changeover. And we see that Sam Query's on the ground. <laughs> He's <laughs> getting some attention. Then he gets up and he plays like three points and then retires mid game. I'm like, okay." Well, off to see Dominic, you know, that was one of our main goals Mm -hmm. for this week, (laughs) to see as much as Dominic team as possible. And we get there, and what do you know? Dominic team is having a medical timeout, and shortly thereafter, he plays, like, what, one more game, and then it's over?
0: Yeah, I think they play till the next changeover, and then he pulled out. And, well, based on how he was moving, I expected him to retire, Mm -hmm. because it just, he couldn't generate any power at all. So that was disappointing. Yeah. But, you know, that's his insane scheduling striking back. I mean, do we know that? I think. Okay. (laughs) Shall we move on to the women's? Because we have a lot to cover today. Yeah, sure. So uh, the women's draw in Montreal was considerably more
1: impressive than the men's. For the record, we were not on site in Montreal. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like five hours away. Yeah. As of right now, the, the semi-finalists are Kuchova, Madison Keys, Simona Halep, and Angelique Kerber. Madison Keys beat Venus Williams in three sets in the third round, which which, um, which was a result that wasn't entirely surprising. Venus had just come from making the final in Stanford the weekend before, flown all the way to Montreal, and now she sent to fly all the way to Rio. I seriously question her decision-making. Right. Considering that we were told that Venus was having, quote, an issue that was affecting her serve, Mm -hmm. which we saw at the the back end of Stanford and earlier in Montreal in her her first match. Right. She beat Streets of a 6-3-6 love in
0: less than an hour. You know, when I heard that she had this problem that she was kind of arming her servant, I was just like, why is she still playing? Because... I got the impression that the Olympics are the most important tournament of this Mm -hmm. year for her. You know, and that she's been getting her ranking up because she wants another medal. So I was surprised that she's possibly risking that.
1: We don't know what the quote unquote issue is. Uh, Maybe it's something that's that's not that that bad. Mm -hmm. And that maybe by her not serving at full strength is not doing any further damage or is a way of like dealing with it in itself. I don't know. But I didn't expect her to beat Madison, and she was down 6-1, 3-1, almost 6-1, 4-1, somehow came back to win the second set, and then lost the third set Mm. 6-3.
0: Bouchard won a few matches, Uh which I don't think that she's ever done in Canada. Right?
1: It was her best result in Canada. Yeah. Making the third round.
0: She played a fantastic match against Sybil Kova, though. I just watched the highlights. I was like...
1: Yeah, wow. Because you were, I was, you were telling me well, Siblikova was injured. I'm like, no, it wasn't just that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you like Genia was playing really well. She, no, she was. And folks are crediting her return with uh, Saviana as having to do oh, with this resurgence in her Union? game. Yeah, and she also beat Shavacheva in the first round, so mm-hmm. she had two really good wins, and then comes up against this qualifier Kucheva, who is 26, ranked outside the top 100. And from all accounts, I didn't watch the match. Really just kind of shit the bed. Like was upset and wasn't able to close it out.
0: But Kuchova or Kukova, however you say it, she's having one of those runs. Mm -hmm. You know, like someone like Laura Sigamund had earlier this year, right? Just seems to have come out of nowhere and nobody is stopping them. She has
1: really big wins this week. Joanna Conte. Went on to make the quarterfinals after her big win in Stanford last week mm-hmm. before she too lost to Kuchova. <laughs> right. It's like, how many matches has this girl played? Right. And Angelique Kerber finds herself in the semifinals again of another tournament. And I know you're just kind of tired of Angelique winning matches at this point because you have this Serena Williams number one streak in your mind's eye.
0: Yeah. See, this, I don't like this.
1: Kerber but you know what? This has nothing to do with Kerber. This has everything to do with Serena Williams. People are calling bullshit on the shoulder inflammation. Oh, no, I don't think there's a shoulder thing. So there's that. Like yeah. if you want if she wants it, she can keep she can keep it. It's within her reach. She could have played Montreal. Mm-hmm. She could have easily won that tournament. Now is she going to go to Rio and then not go to Cincinnati? Is she going to forfeit those know. points that she's defending, the winning the champion's points in Cincinnati? Like if you give up Montreal and Cincinnati, like you're asking, you're gifting it.
0: Well, I wonder if maybe the consecutive weeks of number one is just not that important to her. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just not a record that she thinks about, which is fine.
1: Because, like, she will have number one by the end of the year again.
0: Yes. If she <laughs> plays so much as one tournament in the fall. Well, you know? well maybe more than one. Well. Two or three.
1: <laughs> uh, like, you say she wins a US Open, that's already, like, another thousand points net mm-hmm. in her favor. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, don't be bad-minded. Against Kerber, like, she's beating the people in front of her.
0: Yeah, she is. Fine. Well, better Kerber than Mugurusa. (laughs) I'll say that.
1: (laughs) Svetlana Kuznetsova is carrying on her consistent 2016. She made the quarterfinals. She went up against Simona Halep. Took the first set and then was just obliterated in the next two. I mean, the first set was... Awesome. Yeah. Svetlana
0: looks so great. Mm-hmm. She looks first of all, she looks young. Like yeah. younger than she has in a long time. <laughs> she looks fit. She's such an incredible athlete. We know how she plays. She can turn defense into offense.
1: She can step through her backhand and forehand and she's amazing to watch. I will say this, watching that match, it made me realize again why Simona Halep is thought to be a Grand Slam threat. Especially on hard courts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And for me, it seemed like she was hitting the ball harder than I can ever recall her hitting. Harder and deeper and just impregnable from the backcourt. It was really impressive to watch.
0: Yeah, like for my money, she hasn't played a match like this in a long time. And Well, and you said earlier that you think... You know, Holub could win this tournament, or probably would win win this tournament. Because mm-hmm. you said it was inevitable
1: that Kerber would win, right. right?
0: I was kind of being like fatalistic and was like, "Yeah, Novak and Kerber are going to win,
1: no. and Zarina's going to lose number one." And <laughs> <laughs> no, I my pick would be Holub to win this tournament. Okay, after what I've seen for that. Well, I mean, it could very well be Madison Keys. She gets Kuzma in the in the semifinal, mm-hmm. and she could just go blast anybody off the court in the final. But I would pick a Keys. Halap final. Okay. Unfortunately, I won't get to watch it because I'll be at work. The penance <laughs> for taking so much time off yeah. for tennis. So that's that. We'll have other insights to share on the main draw. So head on over to that podcast <laughs> to, to check it out. We'll, I, I don't we'll know be
0: doing some promoting.
1: Yeah, I don't know when it will be. It. Yeah, I don't know when yeah. it'll be released. It will be nice to have recorded something and I have to worry about editing it. Yeah. That would be a nice, <laughs> nice treat. Uh, so just follow the BodyServe Twitter account and you'll find out where to find everything. Moving on, we're going to be doing See What Happened Was. And in this week's edition, Mr. Rogers, mm-hmm. tell us what happened.
0: Well, let me tell you. So Nicole Gibbs is a pretty prolific tweeter. And has never been afraid of sharing her political views. She's smart. She is smart. She's a Stanford graduate, Mm -hmm. and it shows.
1: She's not just some jock who had somebody taking her classes for her. (laughs) Like, she read them books, and she got them receipts. So,
0: she's been tweeting a lot about American politics, and she said recently, Random thought, I think the necessarily reformed Republican Party in the wake of Clinton landslide win, will be awesome. Looking forward to 2020. And it didn't seem like this was sarcastic. She no. thinks that Hillary is going to win big time and that the party, the Republican Party is going to have to adapt Yeah, if they're going to survive. And so in a two-party country... Which is also country,
1: not a radical thought. Many people have said this. Yeah.
0: Uh, actually, a lot of Republicans have said yeah. this.
1: Like John Kasich. Mm-hmm.
0: So, Coco Vandeway quote tweets it and says, I find this to be extremely rude. Girl, what? Do you know what rude means? Extremely rude? Do you know what rude means? You know what I find rude? Her
1: country club right wing bullshit. That's what I find rude. And let's, let's put some receipts together here, because this was the same player whose coach told her in the middle of a coaching visit that she should... Stop being such a pansy. Yeah, she didn't have court, a problem with that, obviously. Right.
0: And so Nicole Gibbs is here with the clapback. She says, and assuming that you support Trump, I have difficulty believing you take particular issue with rudeness. Mm, girl.
1: <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> it's so well done. And then they do this back and forth, like, I don't even know what to make of it.
0: Yeah, I mean Nicole is far too diplomatic. Yeah, like
1: this girl does not deserve it. No, you know, and she's not gonna. Cl- Nicole is not gonna be like, I'm gonna clap you and then like hammer you into the ground. She's be like, I'm gonna clap you. I'm gonna say my piece, but like, let's find some common ground. Yeah, fine, that's what she wants to do. Well, she's
0: probably like, well, I gotta see her in these streets, right, <laughs> and on these tennis courts, you know. <laughs> And I don't know, Coco Vandewey's dad is like a I don't know, like a football player or something. No, shit. he's like, a
1: former basketball player. Yeah, but what's for the difference? A current executive in the NBA, Kiki, okay. Kiki, Kiki Vandewey.
0: It sounds like a football Kiki player. And Coco. Name. <laughs> so Coco is like died in the wool, true believer, Republican. No, and then she's saying know, like...
1: like you don't know what I believe in. Or who I'm voting for. I keep that private. That girl. Oh, really? girl. really? First of all, the only way you could be offended by that tweet is if you are a Republican. Mm-hmm. And second of all, the only way you could be offended by that tweet is if you're a Republican. Because, <laughs> did I just say that <laughs> as the first one? Yeah. Well, because the point I'm going to make now is that only a Republican would be dimwitted enough Oh, to no. interpret it in a way that's so misconstrued and just totally bereft of intellectual capacity.
0: I mean, I have, I'm just beyond words. No, listen, you know, that is not the exclusive domain of the right wing. No, it's true. Because these true. Bernie or bust motherfuckers, like, <laughs> I was a Bernie Sanders supporter throughout the primaries, okay? Nearly the entire primary season until it got to the point where it's like, okay, Bernie, you need to pull out because you're actually hurting the party at this point. Listen, I identify with Bernie Sanders politically, probably more so than Hillary. But these Bernie bros booing all through the convention, that's got to stop. So anyway, there's a lot of stupidity on the left or the so-called left. Yes. Because these are people who are going to vote for Trump Mm -hmm. because they're butthurt.
1: Yes, yeah i take your point anyway but i know you know what i mean oh yeah okay (laughs) (laughs) so i mean just the gall and the audacity to quote tweet and put her on blast like that when you know that nicole gibbs was in the audience for Billie jean king and chris Mm. effort's big press conference earlier this year she has been anointed (laughs) as the young voice on the wta tour you just clearly resent her ass And, like, Billie Jean King is not
0: calling on your ass. Right. You know?
1: Uh, Girl, not a good look. Mm -mm. And you should be thankful that Nicole did not decide to drag your ass, like that avocado peddler, (laughs) over the Twitter counter.
0: But, like, also, as well, in addition, nobody was talking to you. Right. You know, that is the lesson that I take from social media in life. Like sometimes people just aren't talking to you, and
1: you shouldn't engage. Mm-hmm. It's called self-care. Bless Nicole Gibbs. Make may her always. What does that um that country song say? Um, I, I hope you never oh lose your sense of wonder.
0: <laughs> God, I was thinking of that. Like, may the road rise up to meet you. You know? No, you I do don't not know? know that. No. Okay.
1: Let's talk about the Serena documentary. Let's because it was something else.
0: It it's amazing the access that they got. I I'm I'm really surprised that Serena let them in like that. You know, it was really intimate. Mm-hmm. And it was following her well, at the time that they started filming, we didn't know it was going to be her possible Grand Slam year, you know. No. So it ended up you know the story was framed as her going through the Australian, the French Wimbledon, and you know checking off the the rungs of the the calendar year Grand Slam,
1: and you get to see this great historic year culminating in the most difficult loss of her career, right? <laughs> yeah, and at that point you just gotta, well, this is what the film says. <laughs> You know, you gotta. You right. can't then go back and turn around and say, "Well, I ain't gonna show that."
0: I know. I. How do you end it?
1: Mm-hmm. Which thankfully, Sports Illustrated gave her that award, so they yes. could then have this really nice moment at the end to cap it off. We, when that film came out, an article was written lamenting the lack of access in professional sports now behind the scenes, mm-hmm. and especially in tennis, when you compare it to. For example, the French Open documentary that was made, I think, back in 1981. Yes. You just do not see that kind of access in tennis anymore. You can watch that documentary on YouTube. It's there free. Highly recommend that mm-hmm. you do. A lot, in, a lot of it is in French and you won't understand if you don't, yeah, under, if there you don't are speak no French. But you see a lot of stuff, a lot of good stuff, including Yannick Noah's ass. So there's that.
0: <laughs> if that's something that you're interested in. Yeah.
1: And you also get the sense of a lot of this has to do with the current state of tennis media. You, these are no longer the days where you have a majority of journalists covering tennis and being in the press room being quote-unquote official journalists. People who've been, who've been to journalism school for whom journalism is their craft, their profession. You have a lot of people who they are students, and they're working and writing for free for all these startup web news sources. I won't name names. I've written for one in the past. And so mm-hmm. the the you all you always hear people talking about, oh my god, these stupid questions that you hear in press rooms. Well, a lot of the people working there aren't really professionally trained journalists. Right. Or so, they're
0: learning or yeah.
1: you know. And what comes with that is the need to protect one's access. Mm-hmm. And so you're not going to be getting the hard hitting journalism. And you're also going to have players trying to protect their brand and protect the stuff that's being written about them because the stringency of the journalism is not what it was in this day and age.
0: Tennis is such a small world still, you know, that reporters know so much that they. Don't or can't share with us, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know. So when we go to tournaments, you know, you hear these rumors or like these inside stories that you would never hear, and you wouldn't dare repeat, frankly. Well, of course, that we would never say on the podcast, you know. So a lot of it, I think, is you know, journalists having to protect their access to players because this is their livelihood, and it's understandable. They can't afford to get iced out. No, you know,
1: because even some of the folks who are working on a regular basis in tennis don't have guaranteed safe gigs. Right. Uh A lot of tennis media now is freelance.
0: Or they're just breaking even. Mm -hmm. They're buying their own tickets, their own lodgings, and like their pay for the week is paying for their travel. Or
1: you get credential to go somewhere and then you have to then find all these different outlets to try and pay you 50 bucks for an article. Right. You know, it's a lot of scrambling. Mm. And so the fact that Serena did this and gave us the fans and the Uh world... The insight into what her life is as one of the greatest living athletes and, and as mm-hmm. one of the greatest athletes of all time. It's really a treasure and which is why I've watched it four times so far. <laughs> right. I mean, she's just... She's a fascinating
0: person. I, d- I do think that Serena, unlike her sister, is someone who wants to be famous. Yeah. Serena and Venus both know who they are and they know they're great. But Serena seems to want... The spotlight you know and she's a lot more comfortable in that she's
1: kind of an entertainer in her friend group venus is just happy being on the practice court and if a jam comes on that she likes to jam to we'll just start dancing <laughs> and don't mind that she right. looks like a dork doing it you know <laughs> oh my the god The dorkiness of venus williams is one of my favorite things in life yes so Get your hands on some kind of copy of this documentary, watch it, be it illegal or not, we won't judge you, Um, but you've got to watch this. And some of the highlights, we get to see match by match what winning the French Open in 2015 mm-hmm. was like for Serena Williams. And my takeaway was, how in the hell did she actually manage how? to win that how? tournament? She
0: was so sick. And I feel like if she won that, she could win anything.
1: Yeah. You know? And I remember watching it in real time, and the narrative that was being regurgitated was like, oh my God, here is dramatic Serena again, three set Rena. Right. Or, you know, like, oh, she's just going to gift the first set to this girl and then come back and just win 636 Love. Like, it's no big deal. Mm-hmm. But that's not what was going on. Serena, yes, on her best day, even playing 60% of her best beats almost everybody. But Serena was, like,
0: really sick. Oh, uh, did you see the practice court footage? Oh, my God. Where she's doubled over. She's crying before the match. She's coughing her lungs out. And Patrick is like, okay, let's do a, a few more serves. Okay, two more. Oh, okay. Okay, we'll just stop. You <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I have no idea how she pulled that out. That's
1: incredible. We get to Wimbledon. We get to see Oracine in the cafe. She orders something that's very hot, and she (laughs) Mm -hmm. tells us she likes it hot.
0: (laughs) And then... I guess it was the day of Serena and Venus's round of 16,
1: where they were going to play each other. And Oracine tells us, It's not going to be easy, so I'm not going to be there. Because I know they both want it really bad. Maybe Venus more so than Serena because she's been ill and trying to get back on track. And then Serena, she has this thing about, you know, Serena, what they call it, the Serena Slam or whatever <laughs> or or then the possibility of doing it four in a row. So you know, how tough that is. I'm not showing up. I'm not i'm I'm not gonna go
0: <laughs> i I can't imagine what it's like for a mother in that situation. but I really one of the great things about aura scene is that, she kind of brings her girls down a notch, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. She's saying like, "What is that called again?" Oh, they're calling it the Serena Slam or whatever, as if she hasn't done it a, over ten years ago. Right. You know, like don't and it know wasn't what a huge deal. Is she's just trying to keep her girls on planet Earth.
1: <laughs> and then when Serena is having her steaming session in the kitchen, <laughs> and she has the towels over her head and her head. In this giant cauldron of a pot with all these <laughs> herbal remedies in there. And she's just breathing it in. And Serena's like, oh my god, this is so hot. And Orsini's like, well, maybe that'll bring your breast size down a, a notch or two. <laughs> and the, the denouement, the crux, mm. the build-up of this documentary is heading to the, the US Open. Because at this point, Serena has won the second Serena Slam. She's won three in a row in 2015. And the calendar slam is all that's left. Right?
0: Mm, yeah. And this, it was really, really painful to relive it again. But also, this still to see... doesn't
1: seem real. It's almost as if you're expecting something different to no, happen.
0: I always say that I expect to wake up and realize, like, no, that didn't happen. It was impossible. Of course, she won the calendar grand slam. She's Serena Williams. She got through her sister, and that was the only obstacle left.
1: You know, we see her in the back of her of her ride. Maybe it was a limo or she's just being chauffeur driven somewhere. And she's trying to tell us that, you know, if I don't win this, it's not it's not no big deal. You know, I just want it to be over. I just want to go on and live my life. And just the the tremor in her voice. And you could see the almost fear in her face. Mm. None of it was believable. Yeah. I mean, we know now how untrue that was. Yeah. You know. And so she goes and takes a night off by going to do karaoke with her friends. Right? <laughs> and we see her sitting her, sitting there with Drake, with Aubrey. That's how she refers to Drake, because And if you saw this Vogue 73 questions. She calls him Aubrey? Yeah. This 73 questions uh, with Serena Williams that Vogue put out yesterday. Mm. And one of the questions was, who was the who is the funniest person you know? And she said, Aubrey. <laughs> he, he's funny? Apparently. Really? She said, unless there's another Aubrey. I don't know. Is there, could there be another Aubrey?
0: I don't, oh, I don't know. The Serena fans need to do some digging. Maybe they
1: know. I assume it's Drake. He, he never really struck me as that funny. <laughs> well, anyway. you only ever contemplating him in term, contemplated him as far as how high he is on your, on your thirst trap list. <laughs> I thought he was like deadly serious, you know? <laughs> so Serena's sitting there in this karaoke bar talking to Drake And then Conga, Gloria Estefan's Conga, comes on. And she immediately jumps up and starts seshing around the room and moving her hips.
0: She almost gave him like two black eyes with her ass. Right. You know? (laughs) It's like, bye.
1: (laughs) Another brilliant part of this documentary was after Serena's third round win against Heather Watson at Wimbledon. She runs into Billie Jean King in the parking lot, getting into her car. And Billie Jean comes up to her and... Is giving her this tennis lesson <laughs> in front of the cameras, in front of everybody, saying, you know, what happened out there? And then troubleshooting her like, as are to you what okay? she needs to do. And, and Serena's oh oh like, my God. well, you know, she just started slicing everything. And, you know, I didn't really adjust. Well, if she's slicing, what do you do? And Serena's <laughs> like, well, I should have taken it out of the air and done that. And she's like, or? Oh, or, <laughs> <laughs> And it goes on for like two minutes. And at the end of it, Serena is just like, you know, being deferential. Because I'm sure at that point she wants to just get in the car and peace out. You know, but she's nodding her head, being dutiful. No, but she looked, she was so engaged. Seeing that
0: dynamic, it's like, this is the Serena Williams. Like, this is one of the most famous women in the world. And when Billie Jean King speaks, she is the student. Mm -hmm. You know, with all of these accomplishments, all of these trophies, she trusts
1: Billie Jean. And it also goes to show how well-respected Billie Jean is. Mm -hmm. And you think of, well, Billie Jean did all this stuff for women's tennis back in the late 60s, early 70s, throughout the entire 70s, mm-hmm. pretty much. She's an iconic figure. You know, some of these trifling youngins will be like, well, what have you done? Like, you only have this many grand Slams, Right. Or like, why should I listen to you now? Like, you're not relevant anymore. You know, Serena
0: and Venus are not those people.
1: No. And you know? by and large, it seems that Billie Jean, her status as elder stateswoman and grand dame of women's tennis as the queen, mm-hmm. really, is... It's real.
0: Yeah. And I mean, like so much has to do with her personality, the force of her personality. Mm-hmm. You know, she is an incredibly charismatic person and confident, <laughs> and she's... A born educator, like, this is what she
1: was born to do, you know? Teach people and uh, and change minds. Serena gives this bit of a, a monologue while she's sitting on a massage table waiting to play Venus, right? Mm. And she says, you know, that she still believes Venus is her toughest opponent, which she said for years. Right. And is even more believable now that Venus is 36 and still slaying mm. on the WTA tour. But then she goes on to say, unlike me, Venus really loves the grass. Which we bo- when we, <laughs> like, we watched it together for the first time, we both looked at each other and we're like, what? <laughs> oh, no. I mean, this is a year later. Serena's won two more. At the time, she had won five Wimbledon. She now has mm. seven. The most she's won at any Grand Slam. And we'd always thought that, you know, her game is just so perfectly suited to grass, like Venus. Yeah. That she must just love it, but apparently not.
0: Uh, I guess not. The one part of this documentary, and then I think we'll probably move on to our dramatic reading. The most affecting for me was they were, you know, they showed footage of Serena and Venus meeting at Wimbledon last year. And underneath that, Serena was talking about how much it meant to her based on where they came from and what they had dreamed of as children to be meeting at the stage in their 30s as grown women. And it, got, it made me cry both times I watched it. You know, it was just beautiful the way that she put it. And to think about these two little girls from South L.A. Dreaming of one day meeting at Wimbledon. And then. And this is like becoming what, fifth time Venus done it? and Serena, yeah. you know, and her even saying for a moment there, I didn't even care who won. And I believe it just for a very short period. <laughs> <laughs> no, really, like for a short time she was probably like, I can't believe this is us. Mm -hmm. And then she got back to business. But, you know, you got the sense of, like, she pulled out of her own head for a while and Mm -hmm. sort of, like, watched them from above,
1: you know? It was really beautiful. Two other small things. The funniest part of this documentary is when Venus is sitting... The day before she plays Serena at Wimbledon, she's sitting in the living room of wherever it is that they're staying. Serena's there, I think um val is there mm. serena's self-professed best friend and then maybe one other person and they're asking venus about her studies and venus says yeah you know i have one more class of a test I have this stupid test that i have to do i know um, i got a dumb quiz <laughs> <laughs> and they're like well when are you done and she's like this is it you know i'm done what's your major what's oh, business and she's like um i think val asked Um, Is the WTA paying for it? And then Venus says, yeah, I got a scholarship. (laughs) And there's this pause because Serena's probably sitting there like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And Venus is letting it sit there. And Val don't know what the fuck to think or say, right? And then Venus busts out laughing hysterically. (laughs) Oh, my God. I mean, just to hear Venus Williams laugh like that Mm -hmm. is worth the price of admission at. just by itself.
0: And then I think Serena, like, climbed on top
1: of her, you know? Yeah. It was like these two little girls. And the other thing, I mean, I'm, so watch the documentary. But I'm going to be a little bit sour and pressed here for a moment because they dealt with Indian Wells. They dealt with the ESPN body issue. No, sorry, not the ESPN. The New York Times oh. body image article. Mm-hmm. And Serena's feelings on the way in which her body has been dissected over the years. So there's that. Yeah. And so you know a lot of the stuff that you think of as negative things in Serena's career they deal with it in the in the in the documentary they also deal with the 2009. US open mm-hmm. when she threatened to murder an entire race of people
0: are you serious
1: I didn't say I would kill you <laughs> <laughs> so like a lot of things are dealt with and so with the Indian well stuff they show footage and I guarantee this is te- this is intentional they want you to know that this just what because it's represented years after the fact as the fans being the real evil mm-hmm. people here yeah but the you ones. know who instigated you that know shit. who did it and there is miss Mary Jo Fernandez standing beside Pam Shriver and Mary Jo says it's not just what she said it was the tone mm-hmm. and the holier than thou way she said it she says, "Everyone out there is still skeptical about whether it was fixed or not," referring to mm. Venus withdrawing in yeah. the semifinal. And when I when I watched that, because I didn't watch it in real time and I haven't seen that, I like threw the damn remote down or something. Like I was so mad because like, how is this journalistically responsible here?
0: I don't want to say that much because I don't want to get mean. So you can just watch you know like it they ha- ha- they
1: clearly. Have a relationship now, because Serena and Venus both have played Fet Cup Mm. under Mary Jo. Right. So, like, maybe that's water under the bridge for them now, but, like, I'm I'm hanging on to that one. Yeah, sorry. Two more segments. We'll try and get through them quickly. Our dramatic reading. We're going to be giving you some of the best lines from the Serena documentary.
0: And it'll really... We're not doing impressions. It's really just more of an interpretation.
1: Let the words cloak you, soak into you, <laughs> <laughs> live and breathe with them for the rest of the day. And points to you if you can tell us the artist that sings the song that the words are being spoken to. Because we're doing an instrumental. And since, it's
0: not Mariah this time. It's so. not.
1: Especially since Serena likes karaoke so much. Christopher-Chip-Raphael Nadal, come here! Good boy. He know when I say his full name I mean business.
0: We're not intentionally trying to be like, oh yeah, let's ruffle all the feathers in the tennis world. Like, that's not what's happening. What's really happening is we want to be able to live out loud. When you hit too many forehands, you start to forget things. 34 means I'm getting closer and closer, but who said 34 was old for tennis?
1: You know, who makes the rules? Shouldn't each person make their own rules? I can't believe I have a match tomorrow. This is like, you know, like Whitney Houston. You have one moment in time and I'd hate for it to be ruined because I'm sick.
0: There's records, there's numbers that I'm really close to, but whether I reach those numbers or not, I will play. And I will fight. And when I feel that I'm done, then I will be done. Thank you for listening to our dramatic readings. And act. most of those quotes were Serena, but one was not. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's right. So one we'll let you be, you know, be the sleuth and find out which one <laughs> and who said it.
1: Are you ready for fast quiz?
0: Yeah, to quote Venus, now I got to take a dumb quiz. <laughs> you thought
1: school was over, bitch.
0: <laughs> I got a degree. So I referenced the... He's one. he's, flashing the answers around here. I'm oh. trying
1: not to cheat. Whatever, man. So it's going to be 10 questions. I'm not going to time it, but the first one is going to be timed because it's part of the question. What? The f- it's timed? The first one is timed. Just, just play along. All right, but I'm also not going to give you like a whole damn minute to answer one question. Like I'm going to tell you when is up. Enough is enough. I'm very quick when I'm taking tests. Okay. okay. So if you don't know, just tell me you don't know. And for folks listening in at home, I guarantee you, if you follow along with this week in tennis, my weekly tennis recap series on Sportscribe.ca, a lot of these answers are here
0: or mm. there rather. Mm-hmm. So if I fail, like, the divorce papers are in
1: the mail? (laughs) Just means you got to pull your socks up, boo. (laughs) We talked about that Vogue 73 questions uh, video that was released. There's 73? 73 questions. No, for me? No, no, no. But you got to watch that. (laughs) Okay. Because, like, Serena is dressed for filth. Mm. And her face is beat in that video. One of the questions she's asked, and this is question one... Okay, so the first question is, how many tournaments can you name in 10 seconds? Go.
0: Doha, Dubai, Brisbane, Auckland, Australia, uh, Rome, Paris, Wimbledon, Shanghai, Beijing, U.S. Open, Cincinnati, Toronto, Montreal. You got 13. 13? Miss Serena
1: Williams got nine. (laughs) Well, she actually has to play them. (laughs) That's pretty cool. All right, all right. So that's the first one. Question number two. Who is the oldest ATP Tour, tour titleist since 1979?
0: Um, Ivo Karlovic.
1: Yes. Really? Yes, Newport. 37 years old. Question number three. This player played her first WTA Tour level match since 2011, two weeks ago in Gestad. Patty Schneider. Yes. Four. Name the three players inducted into the Tennis Hall of Fame this year.
0: Okay, um... Justine Enna, right? Continue. Okay. Uh, Murat Safin, and, well, but not technically, but Emily Mraz. Wow, you
1: got the nuance too. Okay, <laughs> you got that. Question number five. Who recently launched an autobiography entitled Ace Against the Odds? Asani Mirza. Yes. Six. This player won five singles matches in three days to make the Gestad final.
0: Oh, um, Kiki Bertens.
1: Yes. Seven, name the four teams that advanced to the Davis Cup semifinals to be played in September. Oh,
0: God. Uh, France? Yes. U.S.? No! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, England?
1: No, yes, yes, but Great Britain, come on. Oh, well, oh, that's true. Yes.
0: Uh, you know, the Scots. <laughs> <laughs> so, f- France, Great Britain
1: um czech republic nope oh my god this is so bad i feel like you failed this one yeah so it's great britain france argentina and croatia question number eight right who is the second oldest player in the (laughs) atpt who is the second oldest player in the atp top 100 who recently cracked the top 60 for the first time um he's 36 years old he was in the toronto draw
0: you don't have to keep giving hints uh gill
1: muller nope stefan robert i think it's uh, stefan right uh, his last name's robert <laughs> okay question number nine how many career singles titles has venus williams won oh, Um, 50 nope she could have won 50 oh, if she won God. stanford mm. number 10 name the wta player who retired from tennis for the second time last week at only age 27 What? For the second time? For the second time. I have no idea. Nicole Vidasova. She retired again? She retired again. Oh. So what'd you get then? I think you got you got seven out of ten. Which isn't bad, right? In a Canada that's yeah, I'm, I'm a happy B. That's a B in Canada. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I'm I'm happy with that.
1: So with the Davis Cup one, you had gotten the first six right too. Mm-hmm. Uh it was Great Britain, France, Argentina, and Croatia. And eight, uh, the second oldest player. We know that that's Robert. And then Vita Silva mm. well, I, th- I think was that a, was pretty fun.
0: That was a good quiz. Yeah, I thought it was going to be harder. I thought I was going to oh. embarrass myself. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> So you're shading my quiz now? No, no. I'm just glad you didn't. I was trying not to embarrass you. Yeah, I'm glad you didn't embarrass me. <laughs> because I have been a little bit
1: remiss in my tennis watching duties lately. So let us know how you like fast quiz. We feel like it's something that you could play along with at home and maybe enjoy it yourself. Mm
0: -hmm. I love quiz. I you know Jeopardy. Yeah, and
1: you know sometimes you really don't want to go through the whole like well this is what happened A B C D E on the podcast. You know it's a good way to get information talked about without necessarily having to dedicate too much time to it. Mm -hmm. And if you've got more creative names for the segment, let us know. I I like fast quiz. You do? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So that's the end of episode 50. Hooray, hurrah, bravo. We've made it thus far. (laughs) We honestly, we never thought we'd make it this far
0: when we started it. This is crazy. Like,
1: this is not what we expected to have had happen Mm -hmm. with the body surf. So,
0: thank you for sticking around for 50 episodes. If you have,
1: we appreciate you.
0: And we're excited to do, who knows, maybe 50 more.
1: Mm -hmm. We're still going to do that TV episode, don't know when. But we're going to try and get get on it. Mm-hmm. And we probably... You may be coming to Cincinnati for a bit of the tournament. I may be making a cameo. <laughs> Depends on what your internship situation is right. like. Uh, and either way, we may be doing... We definitely will be doing multiple podcasts that week. So look out for that. We may be recording for the first time where we're not in the same room. Mm-hmm. That will be Which weird could be as interesting. Hell. Yeah. And there's just a lot of good stuff to look forward to. Check us out on the main draw as well. We'll be appearing there recording midday Saturday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's currently 2 a.m. Friday night.
0: <laughs> yeah, so we're going to bed soon. Thanks for listening. Check us out on iTunes. Mm-hmm. You can also find me on Twitter at Elliot JMR,
1: And me, Jonathan, at SportscribeCA. And the podcast, of course, is at The Body Serve.
0: Till next time.